I read this article this week, which just made me think um, uh, of the uniqueness of this season. Um, but it was it was about helicopter, the idea of helicopter parenting, and and then being kind of lost when their kids went to school, not knowing what to do. And the biggest thing I took from this is from this paragraph here that I'm considering a job change. Empty nest coaching is a growing livelihood. <laughs> Support groups, 250 an hour private counseling sessions and and it, i was i was just reading through this thinking about um the reality that someone that is making uh, has a livelihood based on engaging parents in a new season of life and trying to help them understand how to live into this new season um driven by parents who feel an emotional and logistical vacuum just that phrase kind of jumped out to me my hope is is we're all creating enough space and help in our life where you don't feel an, an emotional or logistical vacuum in your life when your children are gone, but that you feel a sense of freedom and joy and, and a new season to live into and beautiful things to experience. Uh, I just I kind of laughed at, the idea, at this idea, but then also thought, man, that it speaks to... Um, probably the help we all need when we're not tending to our own soul or tending to our own uh, livelihood um, in, in different seasons of life. But that was just, I just wanted to, yes, I just wanted to share. That was just my, I wanted to share that. Um, I'm going to invite Jim and Dana up to the front. Jim and Dana, did you see who else is here? Did you see Mary? Um, uh, we're gonna, I, I, I'm going to get my notes because I forgot to bring my notes. Um, uh, Jim and Dan are going to do a real quick introduction and make sure we know like who you are and, and all of that stuff. I'm going to move this closer where the audio recorder is there. Um, I will say this. I, one of my favorite things in planning this class was getting to send emails to people that I know and love and say like, I just want your voice in this class and I want to hear you and I want to see your face in this class. And, and Jim and Dana are way at the top of the list of people that Susan and I love to spend time with and love to be around and love to have conversations with. Um, and so I, selfishly, as I was planning, imagining this class, it was just like, who are the people I want to hang out with and I want to hear them tell stories. And so that's part of why I asked them to, to be in this room, but, but I'm also confident uh, we'll have some good conversation today. My hope is today is much more conversational than the last few weeks have been. I feel like I have talked more than I wanted to in the last couple weeks, and so I'm, I'm hoping we're going to converse even more today. Um, but why don't y'all introduce yourselves real quick? Give, give us the short bio, the who you are, how long you've been here, where your kids are, you know, where you are in the empty nester phase, just so everybody knows who you are. I think we've been here for Dana Barnett. Um, I think we've been here for 20 years. Nineteen. <laughs> um, I'm an estimator, so I'll round up. Um, let's see. So we have a 21-year-old who is in college at, in Mississippi, at Mississippi State, and we have a 23-year-old son who graduated from Lipscomb University in May. So, 
both went through the youth group here. And so we are very thankful and grateful to the Knoxes who um, put a lot of time and love and effort into their lives at, during those years. Um, and they loved coming on Wednesday nights. And when Jim traveled and I was by myself with them, I, I mean, they pretty much made me come. I, I mean, it was like, we're going, right? And I'd be like, ah. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, they wanted to come. Emma was the first OCYG year to ever hold mm. our daughter, Margo. <laughs> Emma was the, y'all came over not long after Margo was born, and that was the first Otter Creek student. I, I, Rachel wasn't far behind, because I think I remember, I have a picture at home of, of Rachel. Was saying the first year, first grade, what was that like, Brian was? Uh, was it the year before him? Ryan's group and Madeline Rubio, they would have been the first sixth grade class that I had. So Zane would have been the, but I had got them halfway through the year. So technically Zane's group would have been the first that I had the entirety of sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Uh, yeah, all the way through. You mentioned uh, when Jim was traveling. So explain that to us. I'm Jim. Um, I am my, I guess I'll start with work since um, <laughs> I fly for UPS. So I'm gone a lot um, and I guess that's all I really have to add to everything you said. <laughs> um, we're super glad that, that y'all are here. We said we, we were, the conversation today was going to be uh, differentiation and boundaries and, and see where that conversation takes us. So I wanted to start with the question <laughs> for you guys. When we use the word differentiation or boundaries, what, what are you thinking about? How are you describing the idea of differentiation or what are you thinking about when we use that term? Well, it is funny that you brought that up because literally my first little note to myself is um, how helpful counselors <laughs> can be um, when it comes to these types of topics, counselors and, and book, good books. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm glad to say we haven't had to necessarily go to counseling just to cope with being empty nesters, but we have gained a lot in our past, in, in our marriage, which is translated into our parent, our parenting through professional counseling. Um, so that's where a lot of this comes from, and some again, some good book source material. And so differentiation was a new term for me 10, whatever years ago. And, and the idea, when I think about it, and I'll kind of put di differentiation boundaries together. Differentiation to me is basically it, it's having the self-awareness and the, I'll just use that, self-awareness to know what is mine to deal with, what is mine that I own, and what is someone else's. And that's, you know, I learned about it in the context of our marriage but it's very relevant. I have found it to be incredibly relevant with an adult kid or, e I mean, even just, really just kids, period. And the older they are, the more that, what do I own, what do I not, it shifts, right? So, and so boundaries for me, as it, you know, moving from that, if I have that awareness, then I have to decide what, where's my place in this? What am I willing to, engage with or not engage with what am I willing to support or tolerate and and so that's that's and again this is taking this is Jim's perspective on on 
professional terms. I'm certainly not a professional, but uh, you want to tell your anecdote? Sure. Um, I, um, when Emma was, when we first moved here, Emma was about three, and she, um, we, she was at Otter Creek Preschool, and uh, Emma had her own sense of fashion, and. Uh, and so most of the girls, I would say, they're, you know, have their little smocks dresses and their bows and their hair and all that. And Emma just uh, did her own thing. And, and I, I, I tried really hard to let her, and um, she, she would wear flip-flops, you know, in January. And so I, I really struggled with that. And so I talked to that word about it, and she's like, it's, she's not going to catch flu. She's not going to just because of that. And I've, I've confirmed that with Mary Collins. That that is a myth that um, that won't cause a cold or flu if you wear flip flops in, in January. And but but I have had to admit to myself that really a lot of it was I was worried about what the other parents were thinking. How can really do it? Is letting her wear? Um, those flip-flops in January. And so it just, it, so to make that relevant to today, she's 21 and Zane is 23, um, you know, just watching them make decisions that I would do differently or that I, you know, don't necessarily agree with, um, you know, I just I have to decide, am I, is, is this worth saying something or is this worth um, biding my time? Because I do feel like I'm biding my time a lot. And I did hear that that, that was good to do. <laughs> Another person who's about 10 years ahead of me in this game. And so so I, I've done that and, and, you know, just tried to decide, you know, is it worth it? Is, the, is this something that means enough to sit down and have to talk about? Or is this something that um, I can let go? And that's probably different for, for everybody. Um, I, I'm curious if there's any uh, maybe experiences with counselor experiences and other things where the term differentiation has come to mean something for anyone else in the room or a way you've processed that or defined that if, if there's anybody that wanted to share anything. Uh, most of the day I'm going to ask them a, ask a question and throw it to you guys. So I would just love to hear some people. Allison? Um, I would say I think about it. Next year kids are really really different. Yeah. And they have to be kind of handled differently and disciplined like they're motivated differently, their brains process differently, and uh, it'd be so nice if the same system worked all the way down, but it doesn't. So when I think about differentiation, I think about I have to approach each kid kind of as an individual. Yeah. Mary? I'm just saying, I don't want to steal it, I hope I'm not out of it, but Dana gave me some incredible advice because Emma was a year ahead of Rachel, and both were slightly emotional, a little. And so <laughs> they would come home and just, it was like a roller coaster. It's just like, oh, you know, and um, Dana said, someone had told her, get off the roller coaster. So separate yourself and pat them on the back, but try not to feel the emotions with them. And that was extremely helpful for me because I would go through every high and low with her. And it was just tearing me up. And so I just said, I'm really sorry this happened to you. I love you and try to se separate myself from her feelings, and that really helped. That's a, that's a great example of 
I mean, it's literally differentiating yourself from another person. So that's, I mean, that's a really good example. I think when you said, what's mine to own, is, one of your, is a pretty simple definition of, of this idea. Of, uh, and I think it's helpful for people with very small children, because I, I know I struggle with that on a regular basis. Uh, and I can only imagine that's even more help, helpful for this age to reach to a point where, reach a point where you can recognize in a healthy way this is not mine. This is not my thing to own any, anymore at this point. Um, communication. How important is communication? What specific ways you try to communicate with your adult children to foster a sense of differentiation, to, to maybe put them on a path where maybe they're help, in a healthy way processing this as well? Um, I think... You know, we, we all know through our relationships of whichever ones we're speaking of, I mean, you, you, cannot, you kind of cannot overemphasize communication, you know, and we can, you know, sometimes laugh like, oh, wow, I can't believe we didn't communicate about that. You know, like at this point, it's just still, it's like I don't think it's ever going to go away, right? If we just, if we miss some communication on something, then we can just go down an unhelpful path or a whatever. So, I mean, I think trying to communicate expectations with your kids or, um, like, if you can kind of go through this process, like I described, like, starting with trying to do a little bit of introspection and have some differentiation, figure out what your boundary is, and then communicating that, I think can be really helpful. Um, with an adult kid or a, an older kid. Um, yeah, so, um, and then, it was, yeah, um, I had one more thought before I was going to say it. That's okay. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, there's, all, there's been a number of situations, um, I guess, but, uh, sorry, I'm just having to process and think. Um, but uh, what, what we have found, too, is that our kids tend to react fairly well to that. Like, it kind of clears the air a little bit. Even if it's maybe not exactly what the best case would have been for them, it sets, it, it kind of opens things up and everybody knows what's going on, then, right? And so that can be... And we all know that too, right? If we're in the other side of that, it's like it may not be exactly what you wanted, but at least now I know what's going on or what you're thinking. And so that's been, I think that is uh, something that's helpful. And I, and I will just say it's, you know, communicating, I mean, and, and to some extent, that, that's kind of the, the essence of all this, right? Yeah. It's like, how do I talk to my kids and interact with them about life and what's going on? And so I've, you know, for me, you know, one of the notes I made is I struggle to find that balance between what, like I don't want to step in too much, I don't want to over control, but sometimes my, the way I do that is I just disengage. And I just, I don't want the conflict and I don't want, because I'm seeking not to overstep, I just find myself like I'm totally plugged out of this and like I do have something to offer to my 22, 21 year old 
And so I need to be intentional about thinking, looking for those opportunities and thinking about them and being willing to say, hey, let's make some time to talk about this thing, or I need to, I do, I've, I've thought about this and I need to tell you how I feel about this. And then you can, and for a lot of times that, I feel like is the key to the communication. It's not, you need to do this. It's like, I just need to make sure you hear where I, how I feel about this and where I, um, so. I, yeah, I remember just saying to, to Emma, I wanted to have a conversation about you know, before she went to college about certain things. And so she's like, oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, well, maybe you did know. But we didn't have this conversation. And so I need to make sure you know this, because if you go to college and this happens, then at least I know I have this conversation with you. And I told you to look out for that or whatever. I don't want, you know, I just, I, I can't have that hanging over me that, that we did not, we, you and me, didn't have this conversation. Yeah, that, that to me is really key. I'm glad you said that because I mean, I, there have definitely been times that I thought, I know I can't control what my kids do, but I can control what I say. I can control what I, how I, I don't want to look back and say I was too timid or I should have at least tried, even though I was really unclear about how to handle that situation, I shouldn't. I should have just at least stepped into the unknown and had the conversation versus, um, and some of it, you know, we all carry our family of origin stuff. You know, I think that's so huge when it comes to these conversations. And so, um, you know, I think that's part of why I'm sh sometimes more timid than I should be to step, step into a situation because of either my own stuff I got from my parents or even things I did as a 22 year old and so anyway it, all that I mean that was a, something else I was going to say up front I mean this stuff can get pretty heavy pretty fast because it's you know I mean it really is you're looking at yourself and who was I at 21 and how, did, how do I still feel about my parents now if there's if your parents are still living and or how do I look back on the way that my parents parented me through this phase of my life and so I mean, I think it's good to be honest about that and just say there's, again, depending on where you are, that's where sometimes a professional is going to be better than anyone else. And just helping you unpack that yeah. stuff so then you can say, oh, I see some motivations here that I didn't actually recognize. And so maybe, you know, I can address this differently with my kids or whatever. When you um, have, have found the chance to reframe the conversation, when you've said, I need to share this with you for for me, not just for you. Have, have, have you felt like that's been received? Is that received differently? Do, do your children respond to that differently? Or um... I, I do think they they got to a point, in the, and I think it was just some, a little bit of maturity, yeah. you know, some age, and and where where they, I think they could see that it was coming from our heart, and that we weren't trying to lecture them. Um, because that never goes well, you know, they just kind of uh, keep their eyes glazed over. But if, if they know, you know, that that it means a lot to you and, that, and you don't just go on and on and on and on and on about it, then, yeah, I think they did. I, I think. Any other communication thoughts or questions? Yeah. Side, my discernment is like what to share and what is putting something on them that 
Deal with the guilt my mom is putting on me. I was just going to say that is one, you know, this is fairly obvious, but it is interesting as as you go through these different phases. I found myself getting to the point that I'm like, I wouldn't have shared this. Like, I haven't, I was not a super transparent, like, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Maybe sometimes I did this when they were younger, but it does does feel different when you're talking to a 22-year-old and you're like, I'm just going to be honest with where I'm coming from right now. You know, this isn't about, like, well, this is just what's good for you. It's like I'm truly actually concerned about that I've done this maybe not as good as I could have done and that because I've been slack on this area, you're, this is going to happen for you. So that's why I'm kind of holding the line right now because I think this really matters. And you, can, like, you can't really do that as much with a 10-year-old or maybe even a 15-year-old, but with a 22-year-old, I do think you can be more... And I do think I, what my hope is is that, that that actually builds some stuff in the relationship that wasn't there before. Because they, they, in a way, it's almost like how do you argue with that, right? Like even if you're like, well, I don't want to do it. It's like, well, I'm not saying it's not about I'm just forcing you to do it. It's like I'm just telling you I'm cons- like this is something I care about and I'm worried about for you, you know? So what were you going to say? One thing I was just going to say was, you know, kind of a for life groups, but... Because I think, you know, oftentimes we think of the life groups in, in, as the relationships between the adults. But I really think that one of the best things that, that's come out of our time in our life group was that our sons had other men to, to be able to talk to outside of my voice that, that really meant something to them. And I, I'm just saying, I, I, I mean, I, I know in the past, you know, our sons have initiated conversations with other men and our, I'm just saying those relationships really do matter those those kids there, there's a level of trust and you know of, of a kind of a safe place to talk to those you know men or women I'm just I have sons so I'm just but you get the voice of a parent a voice of a parent that probably is like-minded I mean may not you know probably again and that's that's part of the thing they don't think same way give it but it gives them a different perspective Things. First, 
Oh, you say that, but you don't ever do it. So that was my big thing, because I had that growing up. I did not like it when my parents would be one way at church, and at home, they were not those same people. And so I knew I didn't want to be a parent like that. So I think that helps however you have raised your children when they were little, makes it easier when they become an adult. But my question, what I have trouble with, is how many times do I tell my kids, <laughs> I, I am trying not to interfere because yeah. I want them to have their college experience. My daughter's been married two years now, lives on campus, so the two of them see each other all the time. I love that. But then I, because there's only three of us in the house growing up, now we're on the outside, and they're still the group, you know. And you know, when you find out the first time that they have a sibling chat, and I'm like, that only leaves me out. You're the one that's cut out. Yeah. So that's where I'm struggling is how often can I call them and not be obnoxious? So I tend to not call them. I wait for them. Uh, my next question, I'm going to read word for word what's written here. How do I remain engaged and be helpful as a parent <laughs> without being controlling and manipulating or overstepping boundaries? <laughs> Which is similar to what I just said. So I, let's, process, let's process that a little bit together. So how do we, when it comes to communication, how do we remain engaged, connected, and all that stuff without overly inserting ourselves or, or, or pushing back against this differentiation thing that we're trying to help them with? How, how do we do that? I think you might have an answer, something to say about that, but I just thought of something. Um, when uh, I, I just, I love to ask people stuff. I just, if the, I try to think of people who've been through this before, and it just doesn't bother me if people try to talk to person. So I, I emailed this person who is a young man who is not too much older than Zane, but, a little, you know, two or three years maybe or something. I mean, he's got a job, you know, he's out there working for a living and stuff, and but still living in the same town with his parents, and so I just said, can we have coffee? And we went to coffee, and I just said, ask him that question. <laughs> I'm like, what is too much, you know? Because I want to let him fly, but I also <coughs> want to know, you know, I still want to see him and spend time with him, and he said, um, well, I... I think about once a month. <laughs> 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 it wasn't what you wanted to hear. Was it? <laughs> I did not like that answer. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. You need to expand your sample size. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. But if nothing else, that gives you insight into how different everyone is, right? Yeah. Like that, yes. That's if one thing that I. Yes, and, and just individuals are very different, you know, and so that's, uh, family dynamics are very different. I, you know, yeah, uh, do you have more to say? The, you have triplet children, if you don't know the Belchers, one boy, two girls. So what's the, what's the difference in how often you hear from Sam versus the girl? Sam is once a month. Yeah. He makes them to dinner once a month. Yeah, he lives in, Sam lives he in front of you. He's the one I call. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so awesome. I was just telling the group leader. That makes that makes sense. Sam's the kind of person you would want. He is. It was so different when they went off to school because he was in town, but we never saw him. 
versus Bailey would call me every day almost. Yeah. And Hannah once a week, you know, whatever. And now Hannah still tries to call once a week. And Bailey will see. She lives in Nashville too. Hannah lives in Utah. And they're together this weekend, and I'm jealous because they're having fun without <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I'll just, even though I'll, I'll say, just let me know when you want to come over for a good meal. And I think that's that's what you got to figure out is what what do you need and what do they need? What's mine to own? What's theirs to own? What do you say? So we've been empty nesters five weeks. Yeah, five so weeks. I, <laughs> had, I, I had this idealic vision, and you know this. We were going to have family FaceTime. So first right. family fun every Sunday <laughs> at three. At three. And so our first family FaceTime was a flop. It was terrible. And so as raising a man a few words, and Garrett wanted to talk to me, it was on his time. And it was always the worst, right? It was in the middle of a big call, and you just quit and you listen. And so he warned that. So last Saturday, he calls. The phone rings. And I'm like, oh, no, what's wrong? And it was his time to share with us. And so for 30 minutes, we had the best conversation because it was on his schedule, and it was no different from when he was growing up. So, like, I have to reset my expectations that I'm going to be available and use that same strategy, text, letting him know, like, I love him, have a great week, praying for you, here's your verse. And then he's going to reach out on his schedule when it's convenient to him. So, for me, it's me. It's yeah. my thing. It's my delineation of expectations that he's going to reach out. He's great. So, well, I think that's really good. Yeah. It's so hard. hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I just want to say, too, back, back up about my my email to this young man. He's still remaining Everybody knows now. Anyway, he, he said some very lovely things about his parents and said, um, Zang, will, he knows that they, that you have. Well, no, you can go. You can go. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I would have lovely things to say, but both of those guys. Can I say sure. one other thing yes. about the communication or the that frequency or one thing that you know this whole experience you know probably something I needed was to have more grace for my own parents going through this experience and it it really hit me and it took it took a while um, so I, I typically just not to make this about me but I'm pretty resistant to stereotypes with boys and girls and that type of thing, sons and daughters. But I will say sometimes they obviously hold true. And so um, our son, like you said, is much less communicative. And and sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, I almost wonder like if I said, text, I'm taking your mother to the emergency room if we would even hear from her. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so, but then it really hit me, what, what hit me just, you know, within the last really few months is like, if I had, if there had been cell phones and texting when I was 22, I, that might have motivated me to get rid of my phone. I mean, I did not want to hear from my mom very much. I really didn't. And, you know, again, family of origin, personal stuff here, but that, you know, like, I just couldn't have, I would not have dealt, I mean, 
And I think it wasn't that we never talked, but it was just such a different set of expectations yes. when all we had were landlines. I was not. I was not in home. Oh, absolutely. I was not right. I was not in the same town with my mom, and or my parents. And so it was just. I think back, and I'm like, yeah, I just have to acknowledge that that's. He's 23, you know, and it's. Uh, I think a large part of it is just there's just. Of all the things in his life right now, we're not the thing he's thinking about a lot, and that's okay. And that's probably good, right? I mean, I hope. But Mary. Sure, we we all could spend 250 bucks in a counseling session on on what did our parents do well for us that set us up for for success? What did our parents do that held us back in different ways? And and, and you know, for most of us, that's you, that's what you're learning. Like you've got you learn something from the way that experience happened for you, and and there's undoubtedly something we're passing on or giving back that is connected to what we learn, whether it's the same way or it's the pendulum swing, you know, the opposite direction of what we learn from our parents. We, uh, we tend to, to react. And so anytime you can react well and set yourself up well where your children maybe in 25 or 30 years are going to parent their children because they learned something from you, that's, that's pretty stinking beautiful, I think. Um, we, we really are almost out of time. Is, what, did we cover, or is there anything else we want to, y'all want to add that we didn't 
get to, I would rather let y'all jump in with any other stories or anecdotes or thoughts and not have to be influenced by a question. I'm sure there's more we could talk about, yeah. but I, I think we uh, really appreciate the conversation and being asked to participate. I do want to just tag on to what a couple of people have said about not freaking out when when, you, when they tell you something. Um, we've, we have told our children over many, many, their whole growing up years. Um, if, if, if you make a mistake, if something happens, please just tell us, even if you think we're going to freak out, we, we might freak out for a minute, but whatever it is, we'll deal with it together and, and it'll be okay. So, constantly telling them that all through the years. You know, I think. Lee? Tying those two together, uh, our practice runs, you're all, so to speak. It drives each tuition check. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Alan? I was, I've been thinking about, I, I ended up on the same flight as Wayne Tomlinson of uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, and if you all know Wayne, they live on the same property. As, yeah, uh, Kyle lives right behind him. Yeah, yeah I was one of his sons and grandchildren. So I asked Wayne about that on the flight. I just asked him, I said, how do you do that? Well, <laughs> on the same property. And he said somebody else had given him this advice, which I, I've been thinking about a lot. He said, um, he said, you never show up uninvited. And he said, whenever they show up, it's the only thing on the plate right now. Hmm. And I've been thinking about, and I obviously don't live on the same property as my, as my daughter, but that idea of kind of, it's on their terms in, in a way. Like whenever they call, if I can, it's the most important call I have, you know, right now. And be real careful about how often I, you know, Anyway, those are just some, some things that have kind of gone through my mind as I'm thinking about kind of navigating you know, 20 and 26 year old. Um, and the final thing I'll say is the, the business part of this, they have a, like a family text chat. They just text random things. And so I started one for us, uh, for our daughters and husband and, and fiance. And that's been kind of a fun way just to randomly share things without any expectation of response. Yeah. That just kind of gets out there and then sometimes they send stuff back and uh, it, it's just kind of a fun way to not be intrusive but still be kind of connected. Yeah. Um, what, what I heard in you describing Wayne, Wayne's situation, uh, humility, like there's a lot of parenting is going to humble you in every season and, and the humility to say um, I'm not going to invite myself into this but, but when you're ready I'm dropping whatever I've got and you're that's important. That's that's a really beautiful thought. Um, I heard in differentiation, we, we are owning what's ours, and and, and trying to help our our I keep saying students, our children, our offspring, figure out how to own what's theirs, and, and being content in the process as we as we do that. Uh, communication is the most important thing. I think any of us who have ever been around children or have been in a relationship in any form or fashion recognize that's the most important thing. 
Um, and then I would add one more thing that just kind of came to me at the end when we were thinking through, uh, just as I was listening to your conversation. One of um, what I would have called one of my core values in student ministry, I think fits well with this conversation. And that was valuing the relationship over the behavior. And, and when we are having hard conversations with students, sometimes we try to make sure they understand we care about them way more than we care about what they're doing or what they have done and, and just valuing relationship over the behavior and, and not getting caught up in those, you know, you're not tech, you're not responding with the eye-open emojis uh, to what they've said to you. You're, you're taking a breath before you respond uh, and, and being conscientious in, in how we react. The people that are with us, because what we want is to maintain a relationship. Uh, uh, we're not going to fix uh, we're working on behaviors in our house <laughs> with our children, but, but we can't fix everything, and I care more that my kids love me than I care that they're acting the right way. That they know that I love them. You don't need to fix anything. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to work through these things yeah. as they grow but like with a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say, I said as they go. I agree. I agree. He dumps out baking soda, like, Thursday morning, Friday morning. And then squirts out all of the toothpaste. While I was cleaning that up, he can get in the bathroom squirting all the toothpaste. That was my Friday. Anyway, enough about us. The Nazis have overshared. Okay. Um, thank you to the Arnett. Say thank you for them sharing. God be witness. God go in peace. Give high fives and handshakes on your way out. <laughs>